Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good. Good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad uh, that you're tuning in today uh, for this 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. You know, as always, we're we're thankful for the freedom that we have to worship uh, as a nation and for the freedom that we have in Christ. And so we're remembering that and rejoicing in that uh, today is we're in the, the 10th week of this series on spiritual warfare, and it's been a journey, right? We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about a lot of things, but we're not quite finished yet. We're not quite at the end. There's still a few more things that I want us uh, to touch on. But at the very beginning of this, this series, we, we started talking about these two attitudes uh, that people have when it comes to spiritual warfare. And if you remember, on one end of the spectrum, we have people who are superstitious about spiritual warfare, right? These are the people uh, that just everything is spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual explanation for everything. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the other extreme, we have these people who are, who are skeptical about this. Uh, these are the people who don't really uh, believe in the possibility that there's something spiritual going on around us. Everything can be explained naturally. And so we talked about these extremes and we talked about how there is a physical world, there is a natural world, there's a spiritual world. And I hope that now we're starting to find ourselves in the middle of these extremes where we know it, where we understand it, where we embrace a, a biblical perspective on uh, this topic because the biblical perspective teaches us that we live in a natural physical world. So there are a lot of things that happen that have natural or physical consequences to them. And we see that in the decisions that we make, right? But even in a, in a natural world, there's something spiritual going on as well. And sometimes we're interacting with that. Sometimes we're not able to, to see it, but it's just as real as everything else Around us. So we're looking for that middle ground, all right, between superstition and, and skepticism. And for the last uh, few weeks of this series, we've been talking about authority. All right, two weeks ago, we, we began by talking about the authority of the name of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the authority of Scripture. And today, we're going to talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit. All right, so while we live in this, this tension, between now and heaven where we still face these temporary battles, we get to live our lives under the authority of Jesus, under the authority of God's word in scripture, and under the authority of the Holy Spirit. We get to pray in the name of Jesus, all right, like we talked about two weeks ago, and it's not some special formula that grants us our wishes, right? It's, it's praying in agreement with the character and the will of Jesus, and we talk up, talked last week about living under the authority of God's word. You know, God's truth in scripture gives us a, a great foundation for our lives, and we might not always understand it, we might not always have all the answers, but his word has proven faithful time and time again. So today we're going to, to move on and talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit, all right? And my prayer for you all throughout this week has been that that statement right there won't make you uncomfortable. All right. As Baptists, we don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. We've made our own trinity. 
uh, and that's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, but the Holy Trinity, okay, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So today we're going to talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit, and that's probably something that we all want to do, right? We all want to walk with the Spirit. We all want to allow the Spirit to guide us through this life. We, we want the Spirit to change our lives. We, we want the Spirit to give us power when life challenges us. But here's the thing that we have to understand right from the very beginning, and it's that the, the entire New Testament has one single message about the power and the authority of God, and it's this. If you want to experience the power and the authority of God in your life, you have to live under the power and the authority of God in your life, all right? In other words, any power that I claim to have as a Christian, any authority that I claim to have in Christ, I possess these things only because of God's grace, all right? And we will be held accountable for him, to him, for how we, for how we use these things. But in other words, I, I will not experience his power and I will not experience his authority in my life until I've submitted myself to his authority. Does that make sense? So I want to talk today about what happens when we truly submit to the Holy Spirit. All right, and the New Testament repeatedly uses a phrase that you've probably heard before. It's this idea of being filled with the Spirit, all right? The New Testament describes the, the apostles as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and something great would happen almost every time, right? Being filled with the Spirit means that we are completely under the control, completely under the influence, and under the authority of the Spirit, all right? There's a great uh, pastor one that we probably read something of his without even knowing his name is D.L. Moody. And when I first became a pastor, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, gave me a book by this guy that was essentially his testimony. He lived in the 1800s in, in Chicago, and he founded Moody Bible College and Moody Church, Moody Everything. You should definitely look him up and, and read about his life. But in his testimony, he talked about this period of his life when he was young, and he was starting out in ministry, and he felt pretty powerless most of the time, all right? And he wrote about a day when he was out walking, and, and he was just praying and, and having a conversation with God, and he prayed this prayer. He said, God, I don't know what it is that I'm missing in my life, but I want all of you that there is for me to have. I want you to take over my life completely. I want you to fill me with your spirit. And in that moment, he sensed God whispering back to him, saying, well, I want all of you that there is to have, all right? And in that moment, everything changed. And I remember sitting there in my room studying this and praying, okay, God, if I'm missing out on something, if there's anything else, I want all of you that there is for me to have in terms of, of your presence, in terms of your guidance, in terms of being a better disciple and a more effective pastor. I want to walk closer with you, God, because I feel like I'm not quite there. I feel like I'm not quite complete. So I want all of you that there is to have. And since I already learned my lesson I prayed, and God, I want you to have all of me that there is to have. So I give it all to you today. And I remember that being a very pivotal moment in my life. I remember that being a very pivotal moment in my ministry. And there have been seasons since then where I've drifted a little bit. And there have been seasons since then where I've grown a little weary. There have been seasons since then where I've been 
a little ineffective when it comes to my ministry. And in those seasons, I come back to God and I pray that prayer again. God, I want all of you that there is to have. And I want you to have all of me that there is to have. We need to give him full authority over who we are, all right? And in those moments, we feel almost this infusion of power and effectiveness in the way that, that for me, that I pray, that I study, that I preach, that I love the people around me, all right? The reality is we need the presence, we need the power, we need the authority of the Holy Spirit to flood every part of our lives, all right? We need the presence of God, we need his power, we need his authority every day of our lives. Jesus told us, he said, I'm gonna leave, all right? I'm not gonna be there with you, but I'm going to send my presence. I'm gonna send my spirit and he's gonna go with you and he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. He's going to empower you and and equip you. So we ought to have as Christians a thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you wanna be effective, if you wanna to grow as a disciple of Christ, if you wanna share your faith with other people, which I believe is God's goal for filling us with his spirit in the first place, if you wanna live on mission for him and take the gospel further, if we want to do those things, we need to live our lives under the power, under the presence, and under the authority of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray, God, I want all of you that there is to have, and I want you to have all of me that there is to have, all right? So today we're going to take a look at at Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can meet me there. In this passage, it describes what this looks like. All right, Paul's talking about living life with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pick it up in in verse 16. He starts by saying this. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. He says these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. All right, so Paul's letting us know that we're dealing with two different sets of desires. All right, we have what the flesh wants and we have what the spirit wants. Wants. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other. All right. So I want to talk to you about the context of Galatians chapter 5. This was written as a letter from Paul to the church at Galatia. And the church was being taught something that was contradictory to Paul's teachings. All right. The church was being told by someone else that Paul was wrong because he didn't believe in obeying every single part of the Old Testament law. Paul was teaching, if you really wanna go to heaven, you have to know Jesus. But the Galatians were also being taught that the Old Testament law still needed to be followed and obeyed, all right? In other words, no shrimp, no lobster, no work on Saturdays, otherwise you're not gonna go to heaven, all right? So Paul writes this letter to Galatians and he says, hey, you've missed the entire point of the law. The law was teaching us that we need grace and grace has been made available to us through Jesus. So we need to receive it. We need to embrace it. And following the law may help you to live out a a practically righteous life, but you don't have to fulfill every point of the law anymore to please God because Jesus already fulfilled it. All right, he already accomplished it. He's the savior. And when you look to him by faith and when you submit your life to him, everything changes because of 
his grace. This is what Paul's teaching, all right? This is where he's coming, he keeps coming back to this idea that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus and everything that we do for, for God from now on is just the, the fruit of the salvation that we've received in Jesus. So Paul writes this letter to tell them all of that. And he says, once you understand what life with the spirit is like, and once you really start to live under his authority, you no longer have to follow a written code of law like the Mosaic law. You no longer need the law to guide you, okay? Because you have the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding you. That's what Paul's getting at. And he's not saying that there's nothing good about the law. He's not saying that there's nothing righteous about the law. There are things about the law that teach us God's moral standard. Paul isn't saying just ignore it and throw it out. He's simply saying when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you. So you don't have to look to a written law to help you live out your faith in God. It's no longer about obeying the rules. It's no longer about self-righteousness. Your new life is found in a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul's trying to let them know your new life begins with a change of heart. All right. When you trust in Jesus, he changes you from the inside out. So in these first few verses, 16 through 18, Paul is teaching the Galatians and us that if the Holy Spirit is guiding our lives, we will no longer be giving in to what our sinful nature craves. All right. He says our flesh desires what is against the spirit. But he also says, your flesh doesn't rule over you anymore, all right? Yes, it still hangs around. Yes, it still influences who you are and what you do, but you're a brand new born again creation on the inside. Yes, you have a broken mind. Yes, you carry around a sinful nature. Yes, you make mistakes, but the spirit, Paul says, gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful flesh desires. He changes what we want. He, he changes our motivations. He changes our intentions. He changes our desires. So every moment we have to submit our lives to him and he gives us a better way of life. He teaches us a, a new way of doing things, all right? So it speaks directly to this warfare that's going on between what our flesh wants and what the spirit wants. In one hand, we have what the flesh wants. Our flesh wants what feels good in the moment, Right? Our flesh wants instant gratification. And on the other side, we have what our spirit wants. And the spirit wants us to, to feast ourselves on the goodness of God. The spirit wants us to, to put others first. The spirit wants us to, to lay our lives down. The problem is, this is often delayed gratification. So there's this war essentially between these two things, between worshiping God and choosing sin. And it's a constant back and forth battle. But the good news is when we submit ourselves to the authority of the Holy Spirit, he gives us new desires, all right? Let's keep reading verse 19. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, 
carousing and anything similar. He says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that last verse is a little bit scary, isn't it? Right? Now I'm not really a fan of these lists of sins in scripture, all right? Because the problem is if we don't see our sin on the list, we feel relieved, right? And this verse, this, this, this list, it's a very lengthy list of characteristics of someone who isn't living their lives under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the point of this list is to give evidence that if you're not living under the authority of the Holy Spirit, that you're instead living under the authority of your sin nature. This this list gives us the evidence that if you're not living under the control of the Spirit, you're living under the control of your flesh. But if you are living under the authority of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see some different characteristics in your life. If you are living under the authority of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see some different fruit in your life. So I don't think Paul gives us this list to say, hey, if you do any of these things, you're going to hell, all right? Because I don't think any of us could look at that list and say, I'm innocent. I don't do any of this stuff, all right? Lists like this teach us how much we need the grace of God in our lives. And I believe Paul's trying, trying to say, here's what happens, okay? When you're living under the authority of your flesh instead of the spirit. Here's what happens when you're choosing to sin instead of worshiping God. Because if you're living under the authority of your flesh, you're going to produce bad fruit, all right? In the next few verses, Paul gives us the alternative. In verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, the law is not against such things. In other words, when you live your life under the authority of the Holy Spirit, this is the kind of fruit that you're going to produce. So when you pray, yes, God, I want all of you that there is to have. I want you to have all of me that there is to have. I submit myself to you. When you do that, this is the kind of fruit that you're going to produce in your life. All right. Now, we're not going to go down this list and describe each of these fruits of the Spirit as a nine-point sermon today. I'm not going to explain every one of these, but I do want to say this. I think that we misread this passage all the time. I think that we look at this passage and we see this list of of nine fruits of the Spirit and we talk about each one. I I need to do a better job with patience. I need to have more self-control. But Paul doesn't say these are the fruits of the Spirit. He said this is the fruit of the Spirit. He says this is the fruit singular of the Spirit. And then he gives us this list of nine things. We have a choice to make every moment of every day. Am I going to live under the authority of my flesh or am I going to live under the authority of the Holy Spirit? What are you submitting yourself to? All right, let's think about it like this. If you're choosing to live under the authority of your flesh, it's like you're choosing to eat a donut, all right? And if you're choosing to live under the authority of the Spirit, it's like you're choosing an apple instead. Now there's nothing wrong with donuts, all right? I may or may not have had a donut this morning, all right? 
I don't know about you, but I love donuts, all right? And I like apples too, but I love donuts, all right? (laughs) Here's the thing about donuts. The donut's going to taste better in the moment, but the apple is going to provide you with nourishment that's going to last, all right? The fruit of the spirit, it might not always taste as good in the moment. It might not be instantly gratifying. It might not give you the the rush that you're looking for. But here's what I found in the long run. It's really sweeter and better because of its source. All right. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And when I look at this list of, of the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, I find it to be pretty refreshing. All right. Wouldn't it be refreshing to see the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit at work in the world around us? Wouldn't it be refreshing to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Wouldn't that be refreshing when you encounter people at the store for them to be producing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't that be refreshing if, if the people in your family were producing the fruits of the Spirit in their lives? Wouldn't it be refreshing if the Christians in the churches were producing the fruits of the Spirit in their lives? All right. When we choose to live under the authority of the Holy Spirit, we're sharing that fruitfulness with the world around us. When we live under the authority of the Holy Spirit, we're providing the world around us with something that's better, with something that's refreshing, with something that's encouraging. We get to make the world around us a better place. And it's not in our own power. It's from the power of the Holy Spirit that we're tapping into when we submit our lives to him. He empowers us to bear good fruit, all right? So to put it very simply, if you feel like your life is pretty unfruitful at the moment, the best thing I believe you can do is pray, God, more of you and less of me. More of your truth and less of my opinions. More of your authority and less of my control. More of your will and less of my desires. If you wanna live a more fruitful life, it begins with that simple prayer. God, more of you and less of me. And over time, as you pray that prayer, as you pray daily, God, more of you, and less of me as you pray daily, God, I want all of you that there is to have. And I want you to have all of me that there is to have. You're gonna start to see some good fruit in your life, all right? We typically start to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives during challenge, all right? For example, and I've said this before, if you're asking God to give you patience, he's gonna put you in some situations that require you to be patient, all right? If you feel like you're not doing a very good job at loving the people around you, he's not just gonna say, okay, poof, you're loving now, all right? That's not what he's gonna do. He's gonna put some people in your life that you're going to have to love and it's going to be difficult, all right? And we have a whole series. We're, we're dedicating five weeks in August and September, talking about loving one another. And I'm looking forward to that. But the Holy Spirit, he often produces his fruit in our lives through trials, through challenges, and through experiences, all right? So after this passage, after this verse where Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit, he closes the passage like this in verse 24. He says, now those 
who belong to Christ Jesus have done something powerful. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. All right. He wraps up this passage with a little bit more information about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what it looks like to live under his authority. But at the heart of the closing of this passage, I believe are two crucial questions that I want us to think about today. And the first one is this, what sinful desires are you holding on to? All right. What sinful desires are you holding on to? It could be the desire to be better than someone else. It could be the desire to experience pleasure outside of God's parameters. It could be the desire to think what I want to think, even if it's unhealthy or unholy. It could be the desire to live my life however I want to live it without God's word guiding me and changing me, all right? We really need to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and open up all the little boxes that we've shoved away and sweep out the dark, dusty corners of our hearts, right? And every time I ask him to do that, he finds something. Every time I ask him to do that, he finds something in my life that needs to change. Every time I ask him to do that, he finds something in my life that needs to be surrendered to him. Every time I think I've grown and, and I've gotten better and I say, God, search my heart. Let's see what you're gonna find this time. He shows me more things that don't fit anymore, all right? Listen, the more Christ-like we become, the more sensitive we become to things that probably weren't that big of a deal to us before we came to faith in Christ. I'm significantly more sensitive now to the things that seemed small to me years ago, but now they're huge because they're holding me back from who God has called me to be. They're holding me back from all that I could be in Christ. We need to pray that prayer. God, search my heart. What sinful fleshly desires are you holding on to? What's keeping you from becoming more like Jesus? All right. And the second question is this, kind of hand in hand. What part of your life have you not fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Or as Paul said in the passage, what, what parts of your flesh have you not crucified? Okay. Let's not forget what crucifixion is. It's an agonizing death. What parts of your flesh have you not crucified? What part of your life have you not surrendered to the Spirit? Paul said in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we're living by the Spirit of God, let us walk step by step by step with His Spirit. In other words, you can't come to church on Sunday and have a great time praising God and go to work tomorrow and act like you didn't worship Him today. We have to walk step by step with the Spirit. We have to surrender everything to Him. We have to give Him control over every part of our lives. We have to live under His authority 
completely. All right? Jesus didn't die to make us all a bunch of religious people. He didn't die so that we'd go to church on Sunday and check the box. He didn't die so we'd thank him before we eat a meal and check the box. He didn't die so we'd open our Bible and read the verse of the day every day and check that box. That's not why Jesus died. He died so that we could have a true, complete, and whole, and life-changing relationship with God Almighty. So if you come to church on Sunday and you do the church thing and you check the box, but your heart hasn't been changed and your life isn't any different, that's a dangerous way to live because God wants all of you that there is to have. What part of your flesh have you not crucified? What sinful desires are you holding on to? What part of your life have you not fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Listen, I've prayed that prayer hundreds of times over the last 10 years, and I'll keep praying it till the day I die. God, I want more of you. I want all of you that there is to have. And I truly believe that he whispers back every time saying, I want all of you that there is to have. I believe he whispers back saying, I want all of that sin that you've confessed to me. I want all of your desires. I want your ambitions. I want your dreams. I want your goals. I want your hopes. I want your wishes. I want your time. I want it all under my lordship. And you watch what I can do when you're willing to surrender every part of your life to me. And I know why people hold back. I know why there's a bunch of people here today that are holding back. And it's because you know that if you surrender every part of your life to the Holy Spirit, that you're gonna have to make some changes. And maybe these are changes that you're not willing to make. Maybe you're not willing to let it all go. Maybe you're not willing to surrender control. Maybe you're thinking, I would really like to do that, but that means I'm gonna have to give this up and I'm not not willing to do that yet. If that's you, your growth, your closeness with God is hindered, okay? It's stunted, because you have not come to a place of full surrender and submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit. The best decision you could ever make in your entire life is to surrender it all to him. The best decision you could ever make in your life is to to pray that prayer, God, I want all of you that there is for me to have and I wanna give you all of me that there is for you to have. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm giving you 100% access into my heart. I'm giving you 100% access into my thoughts. I'm giving you 100% access into my desires, into my relationships, into my possessions. It all belongs to you. When you invite him to be the Lord of your life and when you submit yourself to his authority, you get to experience victory and walk daily in his presence and power. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the best advice I could give you is to pray that prayer. God, I want all of you that there is to have. The best advice I can give you is to pray this prayer. I want the fullest possible relationship with you that I can possibly have. And here's the thing, God wants that too. But he asks that we come to him with our hearts surrendered. And we don't really like surrender. We don't really like submission. 
But when we surrender our hearts and our lives to him, that's where the power is, all right? It isn't in reading a certain number of verses every day. It isn't in praying a certain amount of time throughout the day. It isn't found in giving a, a certain number of dollars to back to his kingdom every month. It's, it's not found in how many weeks of the year I showed up and praised in church. The power of the Holy Spirit is found in a heart that is fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's when he begins to move in our lives in powerful ways. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, we bow our lives before you today. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us all of you that we could possibly have. We want to, to grow in our relationship with you. We want to submit every part of our lives to your authority. We give you, God, all of us that you could possibly have. We ask today, God, that you would search our hearts, that you would reveal to us the, the places that remain broken. We ask that you would reveal to us the, the things in our lives that we need to change. Reveal to us, Father, the things that are holding us back from becoming more like you. Help us to bring all of those things before you in an act of surrender. God, we give you our hearts. We give you our desires, we give you our attention, our praise, our time, our thoughts, our possessions, Father, we give it all to you. And we pray, God, that you would have your way in our lives. We give you complete control over every part of us in an act of surrender today. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here in this place, maybe you're watching online and you haven't fully surrendered your life in faith to God. Like I said a moment ago, it's the, the greatest decision you could ever make. Maybe you're, you're ready to lay your heart before him today in an act of surrender. Jesus made it possible for us to do that. And we find this incredible hope uh, in the New Testament, the message of the gospel that Jesus lived a perfect life that you could not live, right? We all fall short, we're all broken, we're all imperfect, but Jesus lived the sinless life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death. We were destined to pay, but Jesus, he stepped in and took our place on the cross. He died the death that we deserve to die. He paid the penalty for our sins and then he rose from the dead to give us new life. And if you call on his name, the Bible says he will save you. He will restore you both now and one day in an eternal, never-ending life in his presence. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Church, let's make this our prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect. 
and fill out a Connect card. Thanks again for joining us.